Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Welcome back, everybody. It's not another true crime podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know, we're your partners in wine, crime, and time. And we like to go back in time for a lot of these cases now. We sure do. And we will continue doing that. But first, I, there's a brief update on the Madeline McCann oh. thing. So basically, all we all we know right now is that uh, the girl, Julia, who believes she's Madeline McCann, has uh, submitted her DNA for testing. And I read this in the New York Post. Apparently, what they're going to do is... They're first going to do like a sort of 23andMe type situation to see if she's even like British. Um, Wow. And if so, then I think they're going to contact the Portugal like authorities to like, because I don't think they're immediately testing her DNA like against the McCann's. I guess that's to like kind of not get their hopes up extra or is it just like a new, maybe a protocol or? I have no idea. I mean, it's. I'm kind of like, well, why not just test it? Because I feel like yeah. that's less tests, but who knows? Because then it's like, okay, she's British. Next step. Like, why? It's now becoming, like, so yeah. much more drawn out. I agree. I also am like, how does that even, how does that work? <laughs> I don't understand any of that, but I'm going to be curious for the entire step. So I guess they they have us hooked. Yes, they have us hooked. It's so almost we'll like see. they're drawing it out so they get more, like, I'm like, why are you why are you extending this? case that's been extended for decades like i know but maybe we'll have updates on that soon i'm also like well let's say you're like my parents are british but like maybe my grandparents aren't or like whatever like how is that gonna show up in dna i don't even know that's true i'm just so very irish that i don't really it just kind of throws a potato at me whenever i do any of that testing (laughs) (laughs) i love that but that's that's that on that. So we'll have to see mm. what happens there. Mm. But otherwise, we are we're going to continue to go back in time. Danny, you back found this case. How did yes. you find it? I found this case because I was looking on. I think it was like a retweeted tweet from Smithsonian Magazine, where we're getting so much stuff from, Classic. and it was about the woman who, spoiler alert, was the first photographed execution via electric chair. Which is very morbid, but seriously. And I was kind of like, what does that mean? Like, how did that even occur? What led to there? You know what I mean? So then I started reading and the article that it connected to, and it was like, for more on quote, ruthless Ruth. And I was like, all right, Sarah, this is our new episode. I mean, we do love a little alliteration. Is it alliteration or is it a rhyme? It's not really a rhyme. Oh, it's but alliteration. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a double. Yeah. I don't know if there's a different type of word for that. I also, like, Sarah, you're in L.A. How's your energy levels over there? It's so gloomy. Like, it's, it's raining. It's disgusting here. I was like, oh, I'll be at the beach every day. No. Mm-mm. No, and also, I, like, lost my voice on Sunday. It's almost back. So, sorry. If it goes in and out, it's not your Wi-Fi. It's me. And <laughs> that's just my... Bu- and if you're, like, listening to this while you're commuting, the podcast didn't go out. It's just, you know, I hope I'll be back to basics next week. <laughs> what did you do over the weekend that made you lose your voice? fall asleep at 10 p.m. Like I woke up and it was just gone and I was like, what's what? happening? 
I know. That's crazy. I was like, oh, I literally you, like, did... screaming at a concert? Nope. I did that. And I also was walking my mom's chihuahua and I tripped. So I like hurt my ankle and I had no voice. I was like, I feel like I went to Vegas, but all I did was go to bed. <laughs> wow. That's brutal. <laughs> Morale is low, but the story is juicy. So let's get into it. So just like as the top of it, Ruth was born on 125th Street in Manhattan in 1895. So back, back, back. Yes, way back. She was the daughter of a working class Scandinavian family. And kind of just, you know, they were working hard, living their sort of just like American dream life, trying to hustle, trying to get to it. She was a smart girl, but articles that I was reading of the time were just kind of like, everyone was kind of like, oh, you're smart. Find a husband, which. Relatable, honestly, still happens today. I feel I was going to say still very much present time and place for that. And she did find herself a man. So Mary, her real name was Mary Ruth Brown, met her husband, Albert Snyder, in 1915 in NYC. She was 20 at the time and he was 33. Side eye a bit. Side eye a bit, but back then, I don't don't know. I don't even know what gets side eyed in the 1910s. I mean, I feel like she was probably, like, at 20, they were like, oh, you're old. <laughs> like, yeah, she tr- probably. Like, girl, you're on your last leg. Seriously. And <laughs> like, we got to marry you off quick. They met at work, too. But even though they worked together, they did not have a lot in common. Okay. Good foundation to build a marriage good. on. <laughs> no, I think it's, like, really, 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 really good. They almost had, like, literally nothing in common. She went by Ruth, like we were saying. But she usually, her close friends called her Tommy. What? Um, no, I was equally confused. So I had to go to another article that unpacked the name, why her nickname was Tommy. And it was because she was a good sport, like one of the guys. Like she was a tomboy? I guess so. Or like, oh, you're not a Ruth, you're a Tommy. Like they're just <laughs> like, oh, you're a man. That is a choice. A, a choice, yeah. Uh, no deep clue why. Um, but I feel she, like when people do that, they're like, oh, you don't look like a uh, Rachel. You look like a Lauren or something like that, but not like a Tommy. A Tommy. Even though now I'm kind of like loving that name. Like, oh, hi, Tom. Like, I feel like she like could pull it off. She could do it. She I was mean, able to pull off that name better than other things she tried to pull off. <laughs> For real. Um. So the kind of like dichotomy of them, like she was described as like, vivacious and gregarious and like she loved hosting parties loved to have everybody over albert on the other hand was very reserved and a homebody he apparently just liked to like be in like the garage working on projects not talking to anyone. relatable <laughs> so opposites attract i don't i don't i don't they're together so i, I know this they, they, it's they, very odd couple i'm still wondering like why they got married <laughs> i no, good question I guess the answer is the 1910s. Right? They had nothing or in even, common, and they didn't like each other at all. <laughs> Sarah, we I'm sure we all know some people. That, That's true. You're you know, right. I'm like, they're married? What? Yeah. So, that endures today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, despite all this, like I said, they got married and had a nice regular house in like the, like between Queens and Long Island. Shouts out. So your spot after jumping around Brooklyn for a That's little like bit. That's like my hometown, pretty much. Wait. Okay, so you might have to look into some addresses here. I know. I actually was Googling like my town plus like murders. And I only, because after we've done so many in your hometown. In, I, I know. Like, All right, let's see what Great Neck has to offer. Um, 
There was one in like the 2000s and I was like, I think that's a little bit recent to jump in, but I didn't find any like interesting historical crimes yet. I wonder if, when, do you know when Great Neck was founded as like a place with a name? I wonder if you have to Google. Oh, good call. Yeah, Yeah, actually I should find out where these people's house in Queens was. Yeah. Because this was like, because they were like, in Queens, Long Island. And I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. But then it was kind of more central or like more not like a story. Yeah. Uh, and then in, in 1918, she gave birth to their only child, Lorraine. Lovely quiche Lorraine. Albert at this time, he was really moving on up in being an art editor for Motor Boating Magazine, which... <laughs> Love that. I guess like there's so many niche blogs and websites now. Of course there was a Motor Boating Magazine. And he made $100 a week, which I feel is... Well, also, apparently, Motorboating Magazine was, like, part of Hearst back then. So, like, shouts yeah. the fuck out to them. I mean, they do have enthusiasts. Hitting the big uh, time. Hitting, hitting the big old papers. Seriously. Um, and people... This... I don't know how... Because, like, this next line really does give me, like, murder documentary openings when everyone's like, ah, oh, they were so happy. Because people were like... Someone said Ruth achieved everything that most women dreamed of. I mean, I guess that's pretty, like, low... Like dream bigger, ladies. You know <laughs> she she had, she was she had a husband and a daughter. Like okay, that's that's not- what they were like a husband, a daughter, a car, and a house. Those yeah, but I guess yeah. All like, right, it's not that you know. it's not that serious. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but she did seriously have some fun in 1925 when she did. She found herself having a little affair. That now we all remember. <laughs> what is that and, like a walk to remember? <laughs> oh my God. That Don't make me play Only Hope. You all are <laughs> lucky that my voice hurts or else I would be singing that song for three minutes right now. <laughs> oh my God, Mandy Moore. Um, so, but the affair was not with Mandy Moore. It was with Henry Judd Gary or Henry Judd Gray, who was also married. Okay, now so, we're talking. Now we're talking no! about what every woman dreams of. A husband, <laughs> a lover on the side, a house and in Queens. <laughs> get yourself a lover who is a corset salesman. Discount. I mean, hey, discount. And he also, you know he knows some things. Oh, he knows how to hook on hook. Yes. Exactly. And he lived in suburban New Jersey. So this is long distance. Wow. I honestly respect. I didn't, even when I was dating, and I live in Queens, I was just like, uh, Three mile radius. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, I'm not going to get my steps in for love, which probably yeah. should be a new reality I'm, show. I'm not crossing state lines. That I had accidentally matched with like too many Jersey people while they were in mm. Manhattan. And I was like, oh, no. People do that where they put in their thing like Midtown usually. And I'm like, that means you usually. That's so, it's like those girls were like LA pin, NYC pin, but you're oh, like yeah. Midtown usually. Barcelona. And I'm like, you went to Barcelona 10 years ago. What's happening here? Yeah. Right. That's so, <laughs> that's nuts. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to like go on a date in your office. So like. No. Don't I mean, unless me. you work at like a Google where the food is free. It's facts. And the cafeteria is nice. Facts. <laughs> then, yeah. Um, and Henry got her down bad. <laughs> Just say, and like, you, you know, you know, you know, you're head over heels when right after getting it on with your affair, man, you immediately start planning the murder of your husband. 
She was stigmatized. She, she literally was like, I am moving to Jersey. She's like, you know what? This is my new life. Oh my God. Let's make something happen here. I read that they had like weird nicknames. Like he called her Momsy and I forget what she called him, but it was just very fucking weird. I could vomit. <laughs> Momsy. <laughs> she loves, I mean, this lady loved a, a weird nickname, so. That's true, Tommy. Yeah. Um, she apparently tried to float this by her male, her like her affair lover a few times. And he was not that into it at first. He kind of was like, wait, what? Yeah, he was like, uh, why would I commit murder? She's like, oh my God, this nice is so nice. He's like, yeah. And she's like, you know what would be even better? We murder my husband? I don't, I'm just putting, I'm just putting out feelers for date night. Yeah. And, she, and he's like, what? And she's like, what? <laughs> and well, and like, of course, there's layers to it. Because like we started off saying, everyone was like, oh, she has the best life. Everybody's so happy. There are some reports that say, some people saying that she was annoyed because her husband was hung up on his ex-fiance who died. Still not a reason to murder. Not a reason. No, there's layers. And also, babe, unless you're the the Queen's Long Island medium, she's not competition. I know. (laughs) There's always, like, if you go on Am I the Asshole, there's always a Reddit post like that of someone who's like AITA for like, yeah, for like getting mad at my husband for putting up a picture of his late wife or something. And they always get completely flamed in the comments. Good, I like, hope so. I'm like, yeah. Wait. Of like, stop trying to compete with a dead person. Like you're messed up. <laughs> yeah. Oy, oy, oy. Um, so, and it's funny you bring up that instance because one of the main things that annoyed her is that he did put up a photo of his late fiance on the wall. I'm going to go with, he's not the asshole for that. Okay. And another is, layer, another layer, Sarah, he named their boat after her. But was that like before she died? I mean. I think it was after. It's a boat. It's, it's about, he's, he works for motorboating. And boats are boats. always like name. I mean, not always, but like boats are typically like women. Wait, I think I read something that like, they're like, it's bad luck if they're not or something. I have no clue. Yeah. Actually, I, I didn't read that. I was taught told that on a boat once, and it was by the old ship captain who was driving it, and I'm not, it's like in an Uber, I'm agreeing with everything he says until yeah. I get to land. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I feel like it, maybe it's bad luck to name a boat after a living person, like, oh, I'm just completely making that up, but. Okay, that works. I would just be happy to have a boat. I mean, obviously. I wouldn't I'm care like, what it's named. Yeah. And he also, okay, this is when it could get into a little murkier territory because he did apparently always say that his late fiance was the finest woman he ever met. I mean. Which, not the best thing you, you want to You don't say that to your wife. <laughs> I know. That's not and nice. He, he, she was dead for over a decade, so I feel like he just needed to go to therapy. Or also yeah. just find out a way to mourn the loss in not a way that affects his career. Also on top of this, too, Albert got really tired very quickly about how young. What, at the ripe old age of 33, this man's tired? Okay, I mean, I was actually, say, that's I every single even... joke I make, so I stand <laughs> by that. Yeah, so he was uh, a little too young and giddy. And she was like, you know, Jesse Gouchard, my more serious fiancé, was much more better than you. And she died right before them. Damn. And so, okay, so I mean, like, they clearly aren't a match. And also what 
gets hard. There wasn't a ton of information on this, but some people were inferring, and it could potentially be very, very true when adding a layer to this, is that Albert was also emotionally and physically abusive, Uh-oh. going so far as to blame Ruth, like, oh, you didn't give us a son, which, fuck you, dude. Fuck. That's giving Henry the eighth. Come on, man. Literally, like, you're not you're not an heir of anything. Sir, also, what? it's his, I mean, now we know it's his fault. The man gives the X or the Y chromosome. That's, wait, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um, she, he also was like, why isn't the house clean? And they, he, people were even saying he was equally like, rude and potentially even abusive to their daughter too. So a lot of layers that could be going on. Mm. Uh, Ruth's mom even moved in with them for a little bit and she was like, get a divorce girl. You guys aren't a good match. Like she's like, what are you doing here? But she chose not to get a divorce. She did something else. Apparently she, she persuaded Albert or I read that she tricked him to get life insurance for himself. And I mean, this is of course where it starts. So what she did was she Another then, date night. She's like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool. Let's get life insurance. <laughs> right? No reason at all. Um, she then took this to an insurance agent who later was fired and sent to prison for forgery. So good dude. <laughs> uh, shout out. You know... She found him in New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, he was from New Jersey? No, I'm just assuming. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I know my people. True. So um, she took out what's called a double indemnity policy, which meant that he like signed a $48,000 policy that paid out double, I think, if he died by accident or an unexpected act of violence. So... First of all, I'm like, why does that exist? That just seems like the murder policy. Like, like what would you possibly do that you're like, oh, I'm I'm so worried that they're going to die by an unexpected act of violence that let me just sign a policy that pays out double for that. Like, that's sketch. But <laughs> it also did um, inspire a book that later became a movie oh. called Double Indemnity. Wait, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, because that was this. Well, we'll get into it, but this was... There were, there were lots of uh, big producers and big names at the trial. Um, oh, Media Sensation. Media Sensation. That should just be the name of our podcast. <laughs> media Sensation. I kind of love that. Okay, off. I love that. And then we have a lot to live up to, though. Uh, true. But yeah, so I obviously this was super suspicious. Um, so on March 20th, 1927, uh, Ruth and Judd joined forces to carry out this murder and this is what's it's it's so graphic and also this is just how like poorly planned i feel like this is yes so what they first did was they like beat him over the head with a a weight um and then they strangled him with the wire and also stuffed his nose with chloroform rags so like truly a lot could not choose one method and just did everything, which is horrible. Oh, so so much and so just like brutally painful to just be brutally painful. Yes. And then what they tried to do was they staged his death to make it a burglary, but they did such a bad job. So so bad. This is why there are Oscars for like set design and stuff because they were so bad. So bad. So Ruth told the police that this is a quote. 
two gigantic Italians broke in. Okay. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I was Googling this and I was like, that's oddly specific. Um, Anti-Italian sentiment was not at its peak at this point, but in the 1920s, it was still like high, like Congress had passed um, restrictions on Italian immigration. So it was like, it was a thing. Notable in the air. Yes. Two giant Italians. (laughs) Okay. So um, this happened after Albert had returned from a party at two o'clock Sunday morning and went to bed. Um, but yeah, they did such a bad job because detectives at the scene noticed that the burglar had left very little evidence of breaking in. Like it just didn't seem like anyone broke in. And also like Ruth, the way that she was acting was just not really how a terrorized wife witnessing her husband being killed would act. I also read that Judd at one point like tied her up and like put her in a, in a room to make it look more convincing. Oh, But... I mean, I don't really know because she told police that like all this jewelry was stolen, but then they found it like under the mattress. So they truly hid it in the house that, of course, did she not realize that they were going to investigate the house? Stupid, stupid. And then um, a breakthrough came in the case when a defective, defective, a breakthrough came in the case when a detective found a pin with the letters JG on it and asked Ruth about it, which... They 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 have their uh, initials in this house because apparently that was uh, the initials of Albert's late fiance, um, but police didn't know that. Um, so they brought it to her. They thought the pin was like dropped by the murderer, and they matched. Gotta get some uh, info. Yeah, and so they went through her address book, which I'm also like, girl, you gotta not keep paper receipts. Like you don't oh. put anything in writing. It's like you put your you put your affair lover's address in the book, <laughs> right? Like you don't do that. And so they asked her. They were like, "Oh, what about Judd Gray?" Um, and Ruth, <laughs> she was no. like, "Oh, has he confessed?" <laughs> no, girl. And the police were like, "Oh, uh, yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, he confessed, told us everything <laughs> when he hadn't done when he hadn't said anything. And he wasn't even caught yet. Nope. And so they uh, arrested them both. And also, he flipped on her pretty quick. Um, he even said that Ruth had made several botched attempts to kill Albert, which I'm like, this. I mean, this is why you don't like coerce someone into doing a murder with no. you. Like you, you got to trust them. And it's like, you got to know who you're getting into bed with as your affair. Cause like, are they're fun for that, but are they going to blindly go to prison for you? I mean, sir, they have to be ride or die. Like this man just seemed like he was like, uh. he was ride share. He was like, Oh, he was on the left share. is good. On the left is good. <laughs> just drop me off in Syracuse, New York, please. Yeah. Yes, which is where he was found when the police went looking for him. Uh, he said he'd been there all night, but that was uh, not true. Like a friend of his had set up his room at a hotel to like make it seem like he had an alibi and he was there, but he wasn't. Um, yeah. And he kind of just spilled all the beans basically the second he was brought back to Queens when he was charged. They really did not take too long to get through that but like sarah was saying he also like went to all the tabloids and started like talking and talking shit about ruth which we'll get to in a bit but like i mean this guy was was truly singing like a canary oh on key yeah disloyal disloyal very much so 
So because, like, of course, the nature of this crime, it was an immediate media sensation because it was like, picture perfect family ruined by affair and murder, all that stuff. But what's weird was that, like, they weren't even, like, they weren't famous people. They were not politicians. They were just regular people. But for some reason, it just became this media sensation. It it was kind of, I feel like, one of those first times, like, the like the tabloid industry was starting out. Yes. Where people would just be like, New York woman and everything like that. So totally. It was fairly new, but also very much booming, the tabloid industry. Newspapers just cared about getting readers and <laughs> not so much about facts. They were mm. like, what is the five words we can shout? Has anything changed? <laughs> what are the five words that we can put in a headline that will make people sucked in? So they would report on the most, like, minuscule, not important details to sell papers or even make stuff up. This is, again, one of those cases I'm really liking going back in time because it's kind of comforting because I'm like, oh, not not much has really changed. <laughs> Truly. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Exactly. It is like, so- we're not really, nothing that we're going through is particularly, like, unique, I feel like. And I also feel like all of this is really fascinating to unpack from a true crime standpoint because it's like, when did true crime coverage even begin? And I was from things like tabloids and stuff like that, that we're just getting all these details. Tabloids kind of took it and ran with it a little too far and too wrong, but yeah. Yeah, it's not new. And um, so at this time, like all, I mean, still obviously so many media organizations feud with one another, trying to get the best scoop, everything like that. Uh, the Daily um, News and the Daily Mirror were like feuding with this story, trying to be like, who is like, because there are some sites or publications that like, oh, they are covering X, Y, Z story like a hawk. They're now the experts. of Yeah, and the Daily News was pretty new at the time, and they were basically, I mean, them and the Mirror were just trying to sell the most papers and really just try to one-up each other. Oh, mm-hmm. And, like, the Daily News would also run polls whether they thought they deserved clemency, and apparently the majority of the readers' uh, opinions favored that, but the paper only ran one pro-clemency letter in each article. And they kind of like buried it. Which just also feels super, it just feels so relevant. Like the majority of the readers wanted one thing, but they're like, well, we don't like that. And we're just going to go with like the most outlandish thing and promote it. And what they promoted was the pro-execution letters, prominently featured in bold type at the top. Yeah. Not like the and show. <laughs> not, not like our girl from now White Lotus. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, the Daily Mirror actually called for abolishing capital punishment in its editorial, but ran article after article attacking Ruth and Judd. So, like, kind of having their cake and eating it, too, and getting sales. Yeah, Make it make sense. They're just like, oh, we're, we want to abolish capital punishment, but, like, not for these people. Exactly. So, execute her became, like, literally a cultural narrative and sensation. It's kind of like, but her emails, it's like the execute her of the time. Literally. Honestly, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Like it was just almost a rallying cry. And I, um, Ruth started getting nicknames in the press. Like we already talked about Ruthless Ruth. Bloody Blonde and the Marble Woman. The latter because she seemed hard and stoic and didn't conform to traditional ideas of what a woman was. The former because Judd claimed she seduced him. So that's kind of the thing. Yeah, it was so interesting because, like, they didn't, the media didn't know what to, like, make of her. Like, she was either this, like, femme fatale or this, Mm -hmm. like, stoic lady. And they didn't, yeah, they really didn't know what to do. They were like, oh, she's not a woman, but she used her woman's, like, 
power to captivate and hypnotize this New Jersey uh, brazier man. Yeah. That's actually exactly what he told the tabloids. Yes! Literally. Um, yeah, so she was Ruthless Ruth, the Viking ice matron of Queens Village. Honestly, Ray literally yeah. said, What a name. I hope that's like a garage band somewhere. Um, <laughs> Viking ice matron. I love it. Uh, like Sarah was saying, Gray told the tabloids, she would place her face an inch of mine and look deeply into my eyes until I was hers completely. While she hypnotized my mind with her eyes, she would gain control over my body by slapping my cheeks with the palms of her hand. Shut up, man. I'm what? like, you did this. What legal team is advising this? I'm like, sir, huh? Seriously, I'm like, Again, shut up. <laughs> like, how Like how are you, how are you, wait, you're going hypnotism? Right. That's your defense. <laughs> yeah. By morning, all the New York dailies carried photographs of the illicit lovers and, like, the text of their confessions of murder. The papers were, like, also very happy at this time to have another big case to replace what was going on then as, like, the Hall Mills affairs. It uh, was, like, a reported murder trial that just ended in their column. So it kind of was, like, literally at the end of Chicago when they were, like, oh, we have a new story on top. Like, let's forget about you and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. The lovers, like we were saying, literally turned on each other so fast. Like, they were like, no, we conspired together, but they are the murderer. Yeah, like literally just like the Spider-Man pointing fingers meme Yeah, of like <laughs> who actually did it. And because claiming he was hypnotized wasn't going, going to get him off free. The next defense was kind of like with the suggestion of his shocked wife. Okay, she's riding with him. She's like, he must be insane. (laughs) (laughs) So like for alienist. uh, What is an alienist? That's like, remember the tramp machinist? Oh, wait, truly. We are getting into very interesting career paths. What is an alienist? (gasps) It is the, oh, the former term of a psychiatrist. Wow. And a That's psychiatrist. Who ass- okay. It's a psychiatrist who assesses the competence of a defendant in a court of law. Okay. Yeah, I'm going interesting. Problematic yeah, interesting name, but comes- interesting. Very much so. Um, <clears throat> so they tapped Gray's spinal fluid, well, x-rayed his head, and interviewed him for days. But they were like, he's not insane. <laughs> he could have it's like, damn man, you didn't act any better, <laughs> you know? I know. Like uh <laughs> it's kind of like a 30 Rock when Tina Fey was like dressed as a uh, Princess Leia yes. for jury duty. I don't think it's fair for me to be on the jury because I read minds and they're like, lady, it's New York. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're like, no. <laughs> well, that's what the spokesperson for the group, Dr. Sylvester Leahy, was like, he seems like a fine, cultured fellow and very affable. <laughs> he, he went to get declared legally insane, but then instead they're complimenting him. <laughs> they're like, they're like, I'd get a beer with him. Right. <laughs> Of course, though, people between the two were more Team Henry than Team Ruth because sexism. Gestures at sexism and misogyny in the 1920s of it all. That's it. And, pres- and present day. Um, the trial was an event. Sarah, do you want to jump into that? Yes, it truly was like a sensation. Um, there were like thousands of people. I mean, I think like 1,500 to 2,000 people in the courthouse. Um, And among them were some big names like Irving Berlin, the composer, um, a big filmmaker at the time, D.W. Griffith, and the producers of A Little Plight called Chicago. What would you think? Yes, he had it coming. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, they had it coming for sure. 
Um, and Henry and Ruth were actually tried together, and they had an all-male jury. So oh, it's like that chain chain smoker song. If we go down, then we go down together. Facts. I don't even like that song, but it does carry on. Right? It was written about that. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> um, so Ruth uh, was tried before an all-male jury, which, like, not surprisingly, didn't go great for her. Although, like, it did go great for other people, like Lizzie Borden and That's like the true. Nolan sisters. So. Unfortunately, sexism was not on her side this time. So Ruth like tried to tell her story on the stand, which I'm like, what even what would that story be? You know what I mean? Like, girl, how are you going to save yourself out of this one? Exactly. Like, give us the best you got. But also, like, what is the best that you've got? Because you clearly like planned this murder. Um, But that didn't even work because she, you know, on the stand, you have to answer in yes or no questions and you can't like explain. Um. One There's paper no yes said, ending. yeah, she was trying to yes and, and they were like, mm-hmm. no, but <laughs> just, <laughs> they were like, no. Um, and one paper even said that she lied like a dog to save her own cheap hide. Oh, I mean, yeah, lady, I'm just like, I don't know what, I don't know how we can help you. Here. I don't know how you're going to spin this again. Um, so there were even things that she like never got a chance to say. So she wrote out her story for the mirror um, which was just basically this like clusterfuck of memories and rage and religious platitudes and grief. And so, I mean, even that, even when it came time to telling her story, she didn't really like plead her no. case very well, it seems yeah, like. Not really. Um, so they were both convicted and sentenced to death um, in an hour and 45 minutes, which beats Alex Murdaugh's time. Wow, true. So rough. That's when you know. Rough for them. Um, and they both tried to appeal. They lost. They even asked the governor of New York for clemency, which she was like, no. Because <laughs> also it's like there's so much media sensation about this. He's like, I'm not giving it. I mean, you got to try. I, you know, yeah. You got to respect them for trying, but I'm not surprised that the governor was like absolutely not. Um, so Ruth was sent to Sing Sing on January 12th, 1928, and she became the first woman to be executed there in like 30-ish years, um, since Martha Place in 1899. Hmm. And she was sent to the electric chair 10 minutes before Judd. And the execution was at first going to be open to the public, but then it was like, again, such a circus at the last minute, um... They changed it so only a small number of journalists and people like that went. Um, also because I think like there were, as much as like the papers were clamoring for her to be executed, there were like sort of groups of like legal experts who didn't really like how it had become a whole spectacle. And they yeah. were like petitioning, I think the like corrections facility or some, or like corrections board or some some group like that to uh, basically stop making it into a spectacle. Mm-hmm. So they like locked it down a bit. Um, but one photographer snuck a camera onto his shoe into the hearing or the execution. And at the moment Ruth was executed, he like snapped a pic, which he sold to the daily news and the paper sold out in like 15 minutes. And honestly, this picture is like horrible, like morbid. It was awful. Yeah. And also I'm like, and they ran with it on the back cover. Then? Of course. How do you sneak a camera in back then too? I don't know. I know. I'm like, weren't cameras like huge? 25 pounds. I know it was the front cover, which like, I feel like would never happen. I mean, 
it's insane. No, it's like super morbid and, and gross. And we could talk about that too. Cause I, I feel like honestly, I, I mean this, well, the spectacle around executions was like a thing of that time. Um, yeah. and it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't even think that they needed to necessarily be executed either because. No, because just have them serve time. Like it's, Yeah, know, just like, life in prison. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that was kind of what happened with that case. And then in case you're wondering like, wait, what about her daughter? <laughs> well, honestly, you have a better Good memory girl. than me because I completely forgot <laughs> oh, that I she know. had a daughter. Um, I know. Because it really kind of just went left. But that was the other thing too. I'm like, wait, lady, you, she did not like think this through at all. No, no. Like you have a kid. So family members were really not sure what to do because her daughter was nine at the time of the murder. Um, So Albert's brother, Warren, um, petitioned to be allowed to appoint a legal guardian who was not a member of Ruth's family. Um, Meanwhile, Ruth's mom, Josephine, also petitioned for custody. Um, she was formally placed by her maternal grandmother, so I guess that's Josephine, in the Catholic institution? What? Oh, Why I know. I was like, what does for that custody mean? To throw her in an institution. I, th- I think it was like, I don't know if the petition, because it gets murky here. I'm not sure if that's where she was while they were debating the petition, I hope, because that's what I was so confused about. I was like, what the hell? That's so weird. Um... So Lorraine never visited her mother in prison um, per her mom's request, which whatever. Um, and then on September 7th, 1927, uh, Josephine got guardianship. And during this whole time, there were, of course, disputes with the insurance company Ruth had used to insure her husband's life. Um, one policy did pay out without contest, and that was worth $30,000 U.S., um, then they filed suit to void two other policies, the insurance companies. Because, you know, what, one thing insurance companies are going to do is avoid paying you. Oh, yes. I'm literally watching Bad Sisters right now on Apple TV. And it's like yes, so much I've heard that's so good. That's Okay, that's the thing where I'm like, obviously, yes, she did commit a murder. However, she took out this policy with this express line and he died an accidental violent death. And so, therefore, I'm like, is, this is exactly what the policy was for. That, okay, you know? And also, especially because, like, for the daughter. Right. Right, it's not going to her. Um, so one of the policies that the insurance company wanted to avoid paying was worth forty-five grand, and another one was $5,000. Combined, the three policies are worth uh, over a little over $1.25 million uh, in today's money. Um, that was actually 2021 money, but now we got to adjust even more for inflation. So it's oh, probably true, like, literally. <laughs> um, by May 1928, the insurance company made $4,000 available for just for Lorraine, um, which, all right, thank you, insurance. Hmm. Uh, and then in November 1928, a ruling of the case was reached and it was basically decided that the policies couldn't be collected because they were issued fraudulently, which which is fair. Which is totally fair. Because she also yeah. kind of tricked him into these policies. And also had a scammy guy helping her out with it. Yes. A fraud, a fraudster, forger, insurance agent. Um, and so at the time of the judgment, the lawyer acting on behalf of Ruth's family asked the court to allow them to appeal, 
without a printed record, um, mm. basically because the family was super poor and they couldn't even sell their house because of how notorious the case had become. Ugh. But unfortunately, by May 1930, it was ruled on appeal that their two policies were invalid. So she did all of this. She was literally executed. The, the money didn't even pay out. All for nothing. Like, literally horrible. It's so it's so horrible, all start to finish. And, like, that's the thing, too, where it's, like, the poor ripple effects from this case for her fam. Which, obviously... Horrible. <clears throat> so that goes to show you, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> the TLDR of this story, don't. Divorce. Divorce lawyers exist for a reason. Divorce. Well, first of all, these people never should have gotten married in the first place. Like, That's they really also didn't true. even seem like they liked each other. That's actually very, very true. So don't marry someone just because you think you should. Because you should. Yeah. Definitely don't do that. Don't plan murder for the life insurance. And yeah, so we have a lot of don'ts in this uh, story, but we, I guess the only do is that I do hope you all rate, review, and subscribe to this <laughs> podcast. Five stars, uh, you know, I hope. I hope you guys enjoy it. And also, like we said, we're doing so many old, older cases. Keep us posted if there's any from back then that you're like, oh, you guys should really cover this. Yes, definitely let us know. Other than that, we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep you guys updated on any true crime happenings, so stay tuned for that. Or just follow us on Instagram if you need the coverage in real time at Not Another True Crime. You can follow me at Casual Danny, Casual with a K. You can follow me at Sarah Lameme. And thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.